Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Green and Black's Organic Chocolate, a selection of ethically sourced flavors combined with a rich cocoa intensity. Welcome back to the Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle. We are going to be talking about racism today, about events in America, and about the protest and reaction here in Ireland. There was a moment where um, everyone like knelt and we had a moment of silence. And I just looked out on the crowd and it was just the most beautiful mix of people, like all races, ethnicities, genders such a great mix of people um, and just to see that and to see that unity in that moment for me was just like okay like there is hope and we can't we can actually do this like but first a bit of news on Saturday we have another big night in with Hilary Fannin and we want as many listeners as possible to come so do get in touch with us on Facebook Twitter or Instagram at IT Women's Podcast or email us on the women's podcast at irishtimes.com and tell us why you'd like to be there. We'd especially love if you'd follow us on Instagram at IT Women's Podcast and leave us a message about why you'd like to join the conversation with Irish Times columnist and author Hilary Fannin at 7pm on Saturday. It's going to be great and we have lovely hampers to give away from Green and Black. So do join us. Now, we need to talk about racism. I Can't Breathe were the last words from George Floyd as he lay dying, a Minnesota police officer's knee on his neck. 2020 is going to remember it for a lot of things, mostly the pandemic, but also for the shocking and incomprehensible killing of Floyd, which has shone a light yet again on the pervasive racism faced by the black community. All over America, people expressed their outrage and in Dublin, thousands gathered to protest and to express their collective solidarity and grief and pain. And there were calls to end the direct provision system, which continues to be a terrible blight on Irish society. There was a minute's silence in the Dáil yesterday for those impacted by racism internationally. But we need to talk about those impacted locally here in Ireland. Angela Davis said, in a racist society, it is not enough to be non-racist. We must be anti-racist. But how do we become anti-racist? What does that look like? What are the actions we need to take? We asked three young black Irish women to come on the podcast to talk about these issues. And as you know, our audience is a predominantly white one. And in that audience, there are many of us grappling with how to help, how to be anti-racist, how to ensure that we are not just passively standing by accepting a system that discriminates against people of colour and shores us up. And our white privilege is something that many of us have been reflecting on too. The women on today's episode are all in their 20s. They're Toby Lawal, a trainee solicitor in Limerick, who came to Ireland from Nigeria when she was six. And she grew up in Cork and Offaly. 
Amanda Adewale is the presenter of the Boxed Out podcast. She's also a youth worker and she came to Ireland from South Africa when she was three. And Felicia Olusania, also known as Fella Speaks, is a powerful spoken word artist. Uh, she's based in Maynooth. It was a wide ranging conversation. I tried to shut up and just listen, which my children thought was going to be hard. Uh, the conversation covered a lot of things, the everyday experiences of racism that the women encounter. Recently, about two months ago, I was walking to the pharmacy somewhere with someone and I was crossing a zebra crossing and a guy was speeding like and he almost knocked us down. And I said, hey, watch where you're going. And he shouted out the window, dirty black. I'm sure you can fill that in. I don't really want to say the word out loud. Um, that to me was just I couldn't believe it that you are in the wrong and your first response is to use my colour against me. Like, how does that make sense to you? And why talking about the issue on social media or even on this podcast is just not enough? It's not enough to just post. It's not enough to just talk about it. Like, bring it into your everyday life. Bring it into your own spheres of influence. Like, it's going to, that's it. We can't change racism on a global level or even a national level. It's going to start with, like, each person's, it's going to start at, at your dinner table. It's going to start when in your in your groups of friends like that's that's where it starts. It starts from the ground up, from the roots up. I began by asking Toby to tell us how she was feeling about events in America and the reaction here in Ireland. To be honest, I think my emotions have been all over the place right now. I think I'm just a little bit my mood is a bit down in the sense that even being on social media, I kind of feel that the determination by people is a bit waning a little bit. And like over the past few days, I've gone from anger to feeling helpless, to feeling determined in terms of speaking out, back to feeling helpless again, just feeling sad. And I cry. And it's just, I think it's just been a mixture of emotions for the past week. And yeah, I think I'm just tired emotionally, to be honest. I'm going to ask the rest of you then. Amanda, does that resonate with you? It's, it's, a, it's a roller coaster of emotions, really. Yeah, but I was saying I pretty much just agree with um, what Toby was saying. Uh, just considering that everything really kicked off about this time last week. Um, like within that short period of time, there's just been so many different like mix of feelings. Like each day presents its own new feelings. And it's just been, it's been really just crazy trying to even just figure out, okay, what am I feeling in this moment? And trying to step away from everything and actually like... Um, actually like just digest the information first of all and just like okay remove myself from everything and really just figure out like okay how how do I feel in all of this and um what am I trying to say what am I trying to do right now like for me personally like without all that noise and um push from everyone else I think and Felicia again I'm, I'm sure you share that mix of emotions is there one emotion that's coming predominantly up are you angry more angry than sad or is it all a big like washing machine of emotions as the, as the women have described there I think yeah washing machine of emotions but I think the two predominant emotions for me would be sadness and determination um I feel like this fight feels different dare I say fight this new type of revolution this new type of um anger feels different and I feel like that comes with a, a dollop of determination for me on a personal basis and I think I'm what I'm trying to do with all of that determination is to, um, I suppose, engineer that fire in other people and to just remind everybody to not let this die in two weeks, not let this die in a week. It, this, this conversation has only been happening for about, not even a week, I'd say four days um, since Ireland has joined the conversation. 
And very much so, my biggest worry is that we will join the conversation and then we will be silent when we are done speaking. And I don't think we can be done speaking until everything um, feels fairer. Um, that's, mm. that's how I'm dealing with it, by not shutting up. Excellent. Well, as a spoken word artist, Felicia, it'd be really bad if you, be bad for business if you shut up, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, Toby, you were nodding away there when you were listening to Felicia speaking. That sense that um, it's a moment, but how do we make sure that it's not just a moment and that it, it's, it's the start of something? Almost like I've been thinking a lot about the Me Too movement lately, actually, and how that seemed to catch a light and continue and not die out. To be honest, yes, like I when I look at Instagram and Twitter, in my personal opinion, it's like two different worlds. On Twitter, you you see everything happening in America, you see what the police are doing to the protesters, you see people tweeting about their experience, you see people talking about like um what what is happening in France and all the other countries that are protesting. But when you go to Instagram, people are just posting like pictures that they found on their explore page and I don't know for me I just feel like Instagram isn't a genuine world and as much as I try to push the rhetoric out that look like we need a fairer world like black lives do matter I almost feel like I'm kind of annoying people on that social media platform whereas Mm -hmm. Twitter I feel like I can speak my opinion people are willing to listen people are willing to agree and even today um I was getting a lot of dms people sending clapping emojis love hearts and I had to post my story and say to people that's not enough like me speaking out is making myself vulnerable I'm not sharing reliving my trauma for the fun of it you need to make sure in your day-to-day life that you call out racism even if it's work home school anywhere and that's how you make a difference and if you feel like maybe with everything on social media you don't know how you can um, make an impact that is how you make an impact in your everyday life and I think that's just the clear message that I'm trying to push on both platforms but it's on Instagram it's a little bit more difficult. Amanda beyond social media so in real life because I think that's really the only place that real change can happen in a way what are you sensing because we had this protest where I think everyone was really surprised about the amount of people who who turned up there wasn't much social distancing going on, but I think there was something major happening there. Um, did that give you any heart? Yeah. So actually, um, before, like the days leading up to the to the protest, um, kind of like the girls were saying, like I was feeling just really kind of down about everything. And that day was probably um, a turning point for me in terms of like actually seeing hope for the future, like um, in, a, in a huge way. And just first of all, just by the, the sheer number of people that fully knowing the regulations, fully knowing like the, the risks involved with making that decision, they still chose to come out to show their support and to come and stand in solidarity for this, the, the one cause that we're all looking for, which is justice and is equality and a fair world. Like for me, that was just so beautiful. And the most beautiful thing actually was even just like seeing, because there was a moment um, where um, everyone like knelt and we had a moment of silence. And I just looked out on the crowd and it was just the most beautiful mix of people, like all races, ethnicities, genders, all kinds of socioeconomic backgrounds. You could just, like, like such a great mix of people. Um, and just to see that and to see that unity in that moment for me was just like, okay, like there is hope and we can't, we can't actually do this. Like, but like, Toby said it's going to take more than just posting on Instagram or Twitter. It's going to take more than just, you know, this moment, people feeling like um, determined in this moment. And like what happens when 
when the protests stop, what happens when people go back to their homes? What happens when, when like uh, George Floyd is just, you know, old news? What happens then? Racism is still very, very much alive. It's still an issue that we still face on a daily basis and it's something that we still need to tackle. Um, so there is hope though. I would say there is hope. We are very hopeful for the future, but it's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of effort and it's going to take people actually being intentional and making that conscious decision to say, okay, I'm not going to let this die down and I'm not going to just let this be another another phase. I am very conscious of what Toby just said there about uh, when you share your story or your experiences, particularly traumatic ones, how vulnerable it makes you and how you have to almost be re-traumatized again. But having said that, would any of you like to share sort of to, to illuminate for people who might not be aware the kind of day to day stuff that you guys deal with? Our audience will be predominantly white people listening that they might not know about or they might not uh, be aware of. And if you're not happy to do that, I understand. But if if you would like to. Well, Toby, you, you shared on Twitter and I think you got an amazing uh, wave of people responding in a positive yeah. way. I hope I'm sure you got some horrible stuff as well. They just got blocked. <laughs> we don't have the time for negativity. <laughs> but um, I think, like, I'm 22 now and I moved to Ireland when I was six. Um, and I think in my younger years, I was saying this this morning, that my younger years, the racism I experienced is definitely more covert. And it's now looking back um, that I can understand that I wasn't just being bullied. I was being definitely being othered, made to, make, be made to feel less than because of my colour. Um, examples of would be people touching my hair without my permission, talking about the texture of my hair. Um, excluding me from games, saying I smell within ear hearing aid range. Um, just like like my secondary school, to be honest, it was predominantly white, but there was a good handful of black students. And during parent-teacher meetings, a black woman would walk into school and people would be saying, oh, Toby, is that your mom? Never seen this person before. Um, yeah, so those were kind of the experiences I had when I was younger. And looking back now, I almost kind of, I want to give my younger self a hug because at the time you don't realize it. You just think, oh, they're just trying to be funny or they're just trying to make jokes like that's But it's that it's just not it. It's mm. not. And like now in my throughout my college years, because now I'm doing my master's, definitely my undergrad, the racism became really aggressive in Limerick and in other counties that I was in, even on just nights out. Um, Recently, about two months ago, I was walking to the pharmacy somewhere with someone and I was crossing as ever crossing and a guy was speeding like and he almost knocked us down. And I said, hey, watch where you're going. And he shouted out the window, dirty black. I'm sure you can fill that in. I don't really want to say the word out loud. Um, that to me was just I couldn't believe it that you were in the wrong and your first response is to use my color against me. Like, how does that make sense to you? It just it's so mind boggling. And I think a lot of people my age think oh it's older people that are racist like they they're they're backwards we're progressive now and I think I, I won't lie Ireland is progressive in terms of the mar like um what gay rights and that kind of stuff and I think because of that a lot of young people think well if we're that progressive we can surely be racist but I still tell people even at international night in UL I was told to go back to my own country for defending myself it's it's common students say these things and they know that they get away with it amongst their friends just like that with older older Irish people I've experienced that I had an uh, older man say to me um this is my first time meeting one of your kind and I looked at him and I said what do you mean by that and he said oh don't take offense my brother is gay and I said what has your brother's gayness got to do with my blackness how does that where is the correlation where is the correlation there and I, he didn't stop there he didn't stop there he continued talking on him he asked me oh what are you doing and I explained that oh I'm doing my master's become a solicitor 
And he goes, and you're smart too. He couldn't believe it. And I literally just laughed in utter disbelief. And he said to me, he said, I don't mean any harm. I don't mean any offense by saying that. But you know, back in my day, what they'd say about the black man. And I said, what would they say? He said, they'd steal the penny from your pocket. And he said, but he said, but I know you wouldn't do that. This happened in 2019 in Ireland. Like when I tell people this, they're so shocked and horrified. I'm like, this is what's happening. It's what it's happening. And it's very, very real. And I'm the one that experienced this. So I think sometimes when people are telling me, oh, they don't mean any harm or the guy said, you're pretty for a black girl because he wants to get with you or don't mind them. They're only jealous of you. You're basically saying those reasons justify racism and they don't. And they don't. And I think people are so uncomfortable mm. having those conversations. But the t- it's enough is enough, to be honest. And like, I do have a predominantly white following on my Instagram. And I just got to a point where I'm like, I don't, not that I want to make anyone feel uncomfortable, but I'm sorry if you feel uncomfortable by me speaking out, sharing my experience, making myself vulnerable, and you don't think there is a need for you to change or to have those conversations with your family, your friends, your co-workers, then I honestly do not know. Sorry, I went off on a bit of a rant there. You know, the thing is, yes, I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm going, oh, it's so shocking. But it's not shocking. It's your reality. It's your day-to-day reality. And me sitting here going, oh, can't believe that. It's just not good enough because that is the truth. That is what happens. I've been in taxis where a taxi driver has started to tell me about a black bus driver. Look at him, the black, assuming that because I'm white, that I will also feel that way. And I've got out of the cab and I've said, you know, um, no, you can't talk like that. But that's a sort of a, an acceptance. This is okay to talk like that, I think. Felicia, you were getting very exercised as Toby was speaking there. Do you relate to what she's saying? I relate to these experiences. And I suppose, how do I explain? Um, because I don't, I don't want to just talk about my personal experiences because we can hear 101 of these tales and we know good and well what they are. Um, I think we're, we're each aware of when we're passing curiosity and we've landed in the space of ignorance and you're catapulted into just casual racism. So um, I will not rehash my own personal experiences, but I will say this, that um, to anybody that's listening and that is curious and confused as to, oh God, what level of racism or what type of racism or the extent that racism goes in Ireland, I would say that it's not as casual or it's not as specific or even as in my face as being called the N-word, because at least if I'm being called the N-word, I already know, okay, this person is an enemy or this person is on the other side of my team. But what usually happens is you get like, you get put into very, very uncomfortable situations where you are being told that you are being complimented or you're being told that you're they're curious about your heritage, but you feel analyzed and microscoped and and prodded and poked even when in on the best of days when people have great intentions and then on the worst of days they're shocked that you could possibly be this put together this this articulate this visible this intelligent like toby mentioned this like secure in your being and then the the casualness in their tone when they speak to you about how before it used to be okay for us to say this or this used to be the norm when we heard about what black people are like but um knowing that and knowing that you as an Irish person would be uncomfortable if an English person or an American person or a different brand of white person came up to you and reminded you of your Irish history 
of how you were disrespected as Irish people, of how you were like treated at like at the bottom of the totem pole in white hierarchy. That is the disgusting kind of feeling. So I I shouldn't have to but we shouldn't have to remind Irish people of their of their trauma in order to sympathize with ours. But if yeah, it definitely. takes that, if it's if that's the first step in the conversation, I'm willing to have it. And also when we go beyond that first step of conversation in, in acknowledging what types of brands of racism that there is, we can start pulling out what it looks like in the Irish system. It looks like direct provision. It looks like um, the, yeah. the community or the yeah. black Irish community being incredibly educated with, um, with a number of us being um, educated to the third level, yet we are the most unemployed people in the country. There needs to be a correlation. We are not just lazy. We're not just stupid. We're not just unable to do the work. Many, many, many of us take on jobs that the average Irish maybe not, might not want to. Like taking care of the, I've, I've mentioned this on my Twitter, like taking care of the elderly in the Irish community. A lot of, a lot of our mothers, a lot of our aunties are willing to do that work because they take care of their family with that work. And if it means that I'm taking care of people that don't look like me or that aren't my family members, so be it. I will do, they will do the job to take care of their families. You know what I mean? And in those spaces, because they're speaking to elderly, because they're speaking to Irish people of, of a different generation, they get repeated abuse daily, day in, day out. Um, so things like that, we need to start talking about aggression in the workplace and what that type of aggression looks like, what it looks like when they pull you out of a meeting to replace somebody else or what it looks like when you and um, Seamus started the same job at the same time and, you know, you never get promoted, but he does. Do you know what I mean? Um, so we need to start looking at what racism in Ireland looks like on an on a systematic level because we can be here and talk tales about personal levels but on a systematic level let's identify it let's target it let's end it so we need to start taking accountability as like as people as irish people as black irish people and as irish white people there needs to be accountability in the conversation it needs to be beyond explaining to you what my pain and my trauma is it needs to start looking like an internal work mm. to start looking like a reflection seminar and like okay how can i not mess up again in this way how can just you know restrain myself after felicia tells me she's from longford how do i restrain myself from asking her where she really is from by oh. her country that, that raised her that she spent her entire childhood adulthood and presenthood in you know and that is my little rant Toby. <laughs> you can rant all day. Can I ask you something that might not be so obvious? Just, I'm sorry you have to explain these things, but could could you answer this for people listening who don't understand why asking you where you're really from is so uncool? And uncool is like a mild form of what it is. But Amanda, could you address that? Because I do honestly think there's some people who think that's just being friendly. Yeah. I, okay, I, I don't want to say it like I, I don't get it because... Mm-hmm. I do okay. I, I I can understand it. I can understand it, but at the same time, like it's not, it's it's not something to condone either, because by by saying like okay, but where are you really from? Outright, you're basically telling this person I don't view you as Irish or I do not view you as being from here at all. Yeah. And for a lot of people, for a lot of people of color in Ireland, especially like in this generation, a lot of us were born here. I personally wasn't. I moved here when I was when I was what two and a half, three years old. I have no recollection re- recollection of ever living anywhere else. This is the only place that I actually know as home. 
So for a lot of people, when you say, okay, where are you really from? Like, what do you mean? If you want to say, like, where are my parents from? A lot of the kids, like, well, Nigerian heritage, for example, if you were to take them right now and drop them somewhere in Nigeria, they would be just as lost as your average Irish kid in Nigeria. Like, they don't know. They would not know their way around. A lot of our, our mindsets as Black Irish people is very, very different than the average Nigerian mindset. Like, the way we think, the way we act, the way we speak, it's, it's very, very dif- different. And even though, like, our, that's our heritage and 100%, I'm not saying don't respect respect your heritage, know where you're from and own that as well. But just as much as I'm South African, Nigerian, I am just as much Irish. This is also where I would call home. Like, this is also my home. This is, this is the only place that I've ever, like, any memory <coughs> living. This is where my friends are, my family are. This is the place that I can say has, like, like I've learned all my lessons. This is the place that has built me and shaped me and molded me into the person that I am today. So... Like saying that, okay, but where are you really from? It's just, it's just taking away. It's taking away from my entire experience. It's taking away from my entire life of living here. So I think it's, it's, it's just, a, it feels like a slap in the face. It feels like a slap in the face. It's like, what's that? What's that supposed to mean? Like, yeah, Felicia, you're gonna get in there. Yeah, I was just saying that um, it's it's a way of um, detaching you from your own identity. And I know identity is a is a big, mm. big conversation. It's it's really wide, and especially for the Black Irish community because we are new. We are quite young, if that makes sense. I mean, the oldest like yeah. Black Irish range or ages would be like our mothers. Not it wouldn't be my mother's mother. It would be my mother, and my mother is still very much alive in her fifties. That's that's first gen. I'm first generation. After that, my siblings right after that are born here. I was I was raised here. They are born here. They don't know anything else. So it's kind of a, it's jarring because it's kind of detaching you from how you've built your own identity. And it's yeah. uh, like Amanda just explained. It's a really long winded, very complex type of identity. It's it's one that we're all still growing and it's really young and. It affects your self-esteem, and especially if you're not sure yet or you're not comfortable yet and you're growing up, you ask a 15-year-old that's been raised here his entire life, where are you really from? He's going to have a moment of chaotic, like, oh, where am I really from? Where am I from? Yeah. Just told me I'm not from here, so maybe I should have a think about that. You know, and that's that's what happens with, to people of dual uh, nationalities or dual um, identities that um, get discarded by one of them. It it's it's really interestingly not interestingly, it's really disgustingly unfair. Um, yeah, that's all I wanted to add. Toby, I know you're listening to Felicia there and agreeing with what she said. Something that I was, I think I said to Felicia earlier, was about this thing of. Um, so people think I'm not racist. Okay. So, you know, we, a lot of us go around in Ireland and we would like to say to ourselves, I'm not racist. I don't like racist behavior. It's terrible, but that's different. Um, I'm sort of learning to being anti-racist. There's, there's two different things. Could you explain that a little bit to, to me so that, I, well, and to listeners, because I think again, there's a learning journey that's happening uh, like there was with, marriage equality and repeal and all these different things and I think there's no point pretending that learning doesn't need to happen it definitely does so could you help with that what's the difference first of all I think I'll say as human beings inherently we don't like to think we can do bad or be bad towards others but we can we are all capable of being both good and evil and I think sometimes when you do tell people that oh racism is alive and well in Ireland they think oh gosh 
as you said, I'm not racist. I can't believe there's people out there that think like that, that say things like that. And there is. And I think you need to remove yourself from the dialogue, first of all, and sit back and think, okay, this person who is black is telling me that there is racism in this country. How can I, as a person, first of all, educate myself on the topic? And when I say educate yourself, social media is there. You have the news, which I, to be honest, I can say is not 100% the truth at all times, but the news is there for the older generation. Um, you can talk to people, you can watch videos, you can donate, you can even direct provision. There's so many resources out there. There's so many ways you can educate yourself. And I almost think sometimes people have that opinion that it's up to you to educate them as a black person. And I kind of find that rhetoric is not that people are outwardly saying it, but I have, I have had people say to me, well, you should educate me. And I say, that's not my place. I'm sorry, but you know racism exists. You see what's happening in America. I'm sure maybe you may not know a black person directly, but I'm sure some way, somehow you've heard of something or other in this country. So why do you think I, as a black person, to sit down and basically almost bring you to my side and explain why you should be angry, why you should speak up, why you should stand up for people, not just black people, people from any religion, race, creed. It's just, I think people do need to, I find people do sometimes place themselves in the narrative of, well, God, I would never say something like that, or I'd never do something like that. Like, we know you wouldn't, but it's not about you. It's about other people who are like that. And as they say, a few bad eggs rot the lot. So you need to speak it out. You need to take those people out. It all, all it takes is for you to say, Sean, what did you mean by that comment? Or can you explain, can you explain what you meant by that comment? And I'm telling you now, put a person in that position where you question what they say. Sometimes they won't have a word to say. And I, I honestly think if somebody can feel embarrassment about something like that in that moment, the next time they will think twice before they say something that they know people won't perceive well. But it's when people laugh nervously and look away, tell you they didn't mean it like that. You're taking it up the wrong way. They didn't mean any harm. That's where the problem is. And you are being complicit. And if you say you're racist, you're not racist and you're being complicit. I'm sorry, you are. I, that's just my personal opinion. Like that's the difference between saying you're like being um, anti-racist. You have to actively show that you are with the black community, that you are open, that you're willing to understand, that you're willing to, even though you can't put yourself maybe in that person's shoes, that you can understand the struggle and understand your privilege in the sense that you get up every day, you go out, you don't have to think about whether you're going to get refused from somewhere. You don't have to think about whether when you go to work, you're going to have to fight to get a new position. You don't have to think about whether you go to a nightclub and somebody's going to say something to you about your hair, your color. Like, it's just, yeah, I definitely think in Ireland, students, adults, you just need to learn to just speak out, take a stand and not just kind of passively say, oh, well, because I'm not racist, I'm not a problem. That's, that's not really an issue that I need to deal with. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Um, I suppose it's like going back to marriage equality and repeal or any of those things. People didn't need to have to have an abortion to understand why people needed abortions. People didn't need to be gay to understand why it was important that people get to love whoever they want to love. And I don't need to understand what it's like to be a black person to uh, understand that equality is what you should have. And you don't have that. And, and that I don't the explanation is like it's besides the point. It's wrong. It's so obvious that it's wrong. And that's all we need to focus on. You know, instead of trying to go, but tell me more. But I but I know that I've done that in the past. 
something that something that I'm thinking of as as you're speaking is something I'm not proud of. But I was at an event a couple of years ago and I was with a person of colour, a very wonderful, smart, amazing person. And she was telling me difficulties she was having in breaking into kind of various media circles and things like that. And you know what I did? Like I actually stood there in front of her and started telling her all the different things I'd done that were, you know, that were inclusive, that were great. But I'd done this and but this happens and this other thing happens. And honestly, I literally spoke over this person who was trying to tell me all the things, the struggles and the and the challenges she was having. And my reaction as a as a white person was to go, but you know, like look, I, I'm not like that, and I know people who aren't like that. And like I've never been so embarrassed. And I was quickly embarrassed because I quickly realized it because I could see by the look on that person's face how appalled she was by my absolutely disgraceful behavior. And I went home that night just mortified for myself. And when I would consider myself quite a woke person, quite a liberal person, you know, not a racist. But there I was doing that. And I think um, and I won't say much more because I only want to hear from you guys. But I just think we all need to own those things and those moments that we do that and say it out loud. And it's cringy. Like, I'm embarrassed telling you that I did that. But by my telling you, it means that if I'm in a similar situation again, I will not do that because it's mortifying. So I, I, for me, it's about us understanding the different forms of racism, the many different ways it seeps out of us. Can I just add also that um, um, one of the things that I've noticed, especially when we're talking about these issues with white people and them kind of like coming into terms with their privilege or understanding what privilege is, there is always that moment of like having to center, it, it's a defense mechanism. And it's an understandable defense mechanism. It's not one that I enjoy. I don't want to receive yeah. it. Um, but it's an understandable, understandable defense me- mechanism. And often it feels like an attack on their person when you say that a group that they come from do this systematically and individually to people that look like me. Another thing in the conversations that I've noticed with allies or people that want to be allies or people that prop themselves as allies is that when they hear a, a personal story or they hear a racist experience, what they usually tend to do is say, think to themselves, okay, how would I react if I were in that shoe? But you can't possibly, you can't think of your of yourself as you, Roisin, or like you, uh, um, I don't know, Seamus, as the person, Seamus, poor Seamus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to all Seamuses. Um, yeah. Not all Seamuses. Not all Seamuses. <laughs> you are Seamus. You can't possibly envision what blackness feels like on a day-to-day basis. So you can't use your thought process and your being and imagine yourself in those shoes because th- those situations wouldn't be happening to you anyway. That's yeah. the big thing. The second big thing is with the term privilege, one of the things that I got totally, totally attacked with this weekend by a white person was that, oh, I'm not privileged. I grew up poor. I grew up in, you know, in the flats. I grew up like this. Da, 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 da. I grew up dirt poor. You know, I had to work for everything I have. I've never taken a, a, a penny from anybody in my life. And I was like, great, me too. So so now what? I'm still getting targeted more than you are. And uh, so it's, it's more about privilege does not mean that you don't have a shit life when life happens. Everybody, life happens to everybody probably the same way. But the additional issue 
is that black people have problems happening to them for being black on top of life. So like privilege is as a white person, you will not have an issue with anybody ever systematically for being a white person. You will never be denied anything for your color. That is the baseline of what privilege is. And you might think, oh, that's not like privilege, like because most of us think of privilege in terms of coins and money. But it is privilege if this currency that you're able to spend by living your life any way you want, I can't spend that currency. I'm mm-hmm. shut out of that stock market. Look at me and my metaphors, guys. That was deep. <laughs> that was really deep. That was beautiful. That was Amanda, beautiful. can you just continue on after that beautiful explanation, which I just think is so eloquent and really spot on you obviously agree Amanda if we if we carry on what Felicia is saying then and it's about accepting our privilege and the thing is the privilege of not even having to know you have privilege that's how you ultimately know it you know you don't even think about it um but but what can people do then or what would you like to see happening what's the shift what's the change that you hope happens from all of this Mm. I'm I'm hearing a lot of um education educate 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 and I 100% agree but I feel like the initial thing that anyone, anyone ever, before making any kind of decision or any kind of move or anything is, okay, self-reflect first and accept that, okay, this is the reality of things. Because I feel like a lot of people are completely disconnected to the fact that your reality is different from this person's reality. And just because this thing is not directly or personally affecting you does not mean that it is not a problem for all of these other people. And just what I find actually so mind-boggling is how people get so defensive about, okay, this is not real, this is not real, when literally all of these people of color are saying the same thing. So, like, we can't all be making up this big story. Like, we can't all just be wanting to say, hey, Ireland is racist. Like, that's, that's, not, that's not what's happening. That's not the case. So I think people um, just, like, accepting, first of all, that, okay, you might, we might not say Ireland is a racist country overall in the way that we would say that the USA is. But racism is very, very, very much alive in Ireland and realizing that, okay, that that's a reality. That's real. Putting that aside. And then just for each person or each white person, I'll say, just to say, just accepting or even just going on that journey of like learning what white privilege is, first of all, because I think a lot of people, like Felicia rightly said, they think that when you, when you say white privilege, you're, you're not saying that. That doesn't mean that you did not have a hard life. It doesn't mean that you're your life was easy or that you did that you didn't have any struggles or anything growing up it genuine it just means that like you're the color of your skin is does not does not add to any problems that you might already be facing and um just another thing actually just kind of going off topic for a bit I don't, a lot of people especially irish people um think that because of the history of ireland because of everything that um Irish people have experienced collectively at the hands of, I would say, like in English in particular, and also in America, that they are now exempt or excluded from ever being racist or ever being prejudiced towards anyone, which is completely untrue. Because you have been oppressed does not mean that you cannot now turn the hand and become the oppressor. So I think a lot of people need to also realize that and come to terms with that. Like, that is real. People right now have also disconnected that. I think if a lot of um, younger generation of Irish people really, really go back and learn their own history and know themselves, know the struggle that they also went through as Irish people. I think they will be, it would be um, a lot easier for them to open up and just even be, be open to hearing and trying to understand um, the stories of people of color 
Um, so just to answer your question directly, like, okay, what can people do? Educate yourself. There's so many resources out there, right? Like, like Toby said, like, it's not just, um, it's, it's, it's not, not just to ask people of color. That option is there too, but there's so many resources, there's books, there's podcasts, there's so many things out there for people to actually go and just take that initiative to learn and take, taking it outside of just social media. Like it's not enough to just post. It's not enough to just talk about it. Like bring it into your everyday life, bring it into your own spheres of influence. Like it's going to, that's We can't change racism on a global level or even a national level. It's going to start with like each person's, it's going to start at, at your dinner table. It's going to start when in your, in your groups of friends, like that's, that's where it starts. It starts from the ground up, from the roots up. That's the only way that anything's ever going to be tackled. So just not being afraid to just, you know, take a stand as uncomfortable as it, it may be. Have those conversations that need to be had. Call out yeah. racism when you see it. Call out prejudice when you see it. And we, we hear, Felicia, I know you want to get in. We hear this word ally a lot. And you have a point about people being an ally and what that means and what that is. Yeah, just one last point on being a li- an ally. Um, recently, a friend of mine told me about an Irish white girl that recently just got thrown out of her parents' house for defending Black Lives Matter. So I just wanted to say this, and I know that enough people don't realize the gravity of racism, but I want you to know that it is like that there is a cost to defending Black lives because when you start getting, and people might not know what they're getting into, and this sounds weird, but you you might not know what you're getting into when you start defending Black people in front of your friends, in front of your family members, in front of people that are your co-workers. Um, and you might only get a fraction of what we get on a daily basis, but just so that you're aware, it, it is unpopular and it is uncool um, in certain settings to speak on behalf of Black people. So please be aware of that. And my last point is just, if you're going to be an ally, let it be an action word, stand in the gap for Black people in these situations. When you see microaggressions happening at work, don't be mute, don't be silent, Sam. Don't be like mute uh, Mary. Like, no, we're not doing silent Sam's and mute Mary's at work. Like if you see me being quizzed and questioned about all kinds of odd things that, you know, it's gone past curiosity to all the way ignorance, say something. Don't make me the black person that's already the only one here, the one that has to defend myself and then further make the situation more awkward. You already know the implications of speaking up at workplaces, like the implications of speaking work, speaking up in, in, in friend circles that, you know, is supposed to have a business proposition coming out of it, stuff like that. So if you're going to be an ally, when you see something, say something. That's it. This podcast is brought to you by Green and Blacks, a rich, smooth and truly delicious chocolate experience. Toby, coming to you uh, just to address those points. Is there anything you'd like to say from what Felicia and Amanda were talking about there? Um, I definitely agree with what both ladies have said. In terms of being an ally, like Amanda was saying, it goes beyond social media. It goes into your workplace, your families. A lot of young Irish students, I've had people say to me that they know that somebody in their family is racist or somebody in their family is homophobic. And I think putting yourself in the position to defend a black person or to speak up and say that, look, do you know what? This is wrong. I think, to be honest, I'll acknowledge it takes courage because as human beings, I don't think we like to feel attacked we don't like to feel that 
we are being uncool and I put that in quotation marks because I think that's the word we use the crack like it was only a bit of crack I think for that two minutes of being uncool putting yourself as Felicia said as the middle person to kind of not I wouldn't say take the heat but to almost show that no this isn't okay this kind of oppression this kind of discrimination this kind of microaggression isn't all right it takes the pressure off a black person who is already uncomfortable in that situation to on top of that have to explain why they feel the way they feel why they said what they said or have their just their identity challenged or questioned because to me it's just it's just it's just so mind-boggling because that's where the whole thing of white privilege comes into it because I'd like like any young old Irish people listening to this would you question somebody of your own race color like that the way you would a black person that's where I think you need to compare and contrast so that maybe you can understand why we say you have privilege like Felicia said it's not coins it's not money it's the day-to-day you get to walk into a workplace and know that you even interviews for example you go to an interview as a white person you know that you have 50 50 chance like Sarah like Andrew like Michelle sitting in the queue alongside you whereas me Toby the black girl is worrying about first of all impressing second of all making sure I don't come across as too black or too I don't want to use the word ghetto, but you know what I mean? I just, you have to present yourself in a certain way. And I don't know if the two girls can agree with me, but I think definitely a lot of black children growing up have had parents say to them that you need to work harder. You need to prove yourself that you can make a difference and that you're as good as them, if not better. To, to and I remember my dad used to use the term to leave the door open for other black girls to come in after you. That's yep. how he used it, how he, how he described it. And to be honest, that has always followed me. Anytime I apply for a job, I think about how I, I should present myself in the day. Even my hair, I'm like, oh, if I have my natural afro, they might think of me differently. Um, oh, do I need to not have um, braids on my hair in case they might think, oh, no, that's not the kind of thing we want here. These are things that go through your mind in everyday life. And that's where you need to think about your privilege. privilege. You don't have to think about that as a white person. Those thoughts don't even come into your head. They're not an issue. But yeah, yeah. Sorry, once again, off and around. <laughs> there is an awful lot to talk about. But uh, if we were going to wrap it up, I mean, what would you like people listening to this who haven't maybe fully engaged with this topic before to understand? Or where do you think the biggest um, the thing that we've spoken about so far the most that, that uh, you'd like to explain to people or just to leave people with a thought? And it can be a challenging, uncomfortable thought, if you like. It's sort of a dear Irish white people moment. Oh, God. <laughs> um, like, we're all human beings. As I said, th- I've said this over the past few days, we all have the ability to be good and bad. And this world is big enough for all of us. We can all coexist. We can all do well. We can all be the great human beings. We can be all in the same space. There doesn't need to be a divide. And I know that that sounds so off. There doesn't need to be a divide. What are we fighting for? But that is literally it. And I think um, people need to understand that it's just, you need to you need to just speak up and you need to be active about it. Like um, um, Amanda said, it's about being anti-racist. And I think Ireland is such a strong nation. I've lived here for 17 years of my life. I turn 23 next month. I love this country. I have Irish friends. I I'm going to the universities that I have and I, I love my time here. And I know that there is people out there that will stand, but it just takes more people just understanding, bringing themselves, like humbling themselves just to sit down and think, okay, self-respect, as Lisa said, think about 
maybe things I've done in the past, how I can change in the future, how I can phrase things going into the future. Like Amanda brought up with the whole um, asking where you're from. There might not be ill intent behind it, but maybe next time you might think, ooh, maybe this might not come across as the way that I intended to come across. Mm. And small things like that make such a difference. Mm. I think my last point would be um, be, be empathetic, um, be patient and listen. Be empathetic, be patient and listen. And the patience is more for yourself because you will feel your own frustrations rise and you would want to put your feelings in the conversation above somebody else's. And that would be a natural reaction. And when that happens, just pause and be patient with yourself in the conversation. Um, Yeah, so empathy, patience and listening. I think that's so um, compassionate of you to to put that in because... I, it resonates very deeply with me, just that sense of uh, wanting to center yourself, wanting to show, getting defensive. And for to just remember when those feelings are coming up to just that's not what it's about. And to have patience with yourself when you do do that, because we're all going to make mistakes and we're all going to mess up. Um, but the important thing is the intent and the listening, like you said, I think, which is why I wanted you guys on um, today, because... Yeah, it's been a very interesting conversation for me to hear you talking. I know that our listeners will listen to it and they'll think things they haven't thought before about this subject. And one conversation isn't going to do it. It has to be several conversations and a continuing spectrum of of uh, conversations. It can't just be, you know, the women's podcast. We had three women of colour on. That's grand. We've done racism now. You know, that's just not good enough. <laughs> you know, but that's what you could think. And it's just not good enough. Amanda... Final thoughts. And um, one thing that I will say, just moving forward, is just like, just like really trying to encourage people to to not like don't keep quiet after this. Don't keep quiet after everything dies down. Just to just keep that um the motivation that people have now. Just keep going. Just keep moving forward. And I, I genuinely, genuinely, especially after Monday, I genuinely do see um a change happening in. Like even just the psyche of the whole country, I, I feel like we're at the stage now where people are becoming hungry for change and people actually do want things to be different this time. So I would just say, just keep that same determination keep that same energy. And hopefully, hopefully we do see something good come out of this and we do see a change. And I genuinely believe, believe I think that we will. I believe that we will. And also before you go, I'd just love to hear from each of you about where you're at at this stage in your life and what your own hopes and aspirations are at the moment for your life going forward in Ireland and wherever you end up around the world. When we're eventually allowed to travel, someday we'll be able to get on an airplane. Felicia, you are a performance artist. You're a spoken word artist. You've got you've got a gig coming up or what have you got ha- happening? Yes, I, I have a gig coming up, uh, a virtual Carlo Arts Festival. It'll be <laughs> on the YouTube channel. Um, and yeah, it's a little monologue piece. It's a piece that is pretty special to me. Um, and yeah, like, um, it's, it, it's not about black lives matter in general or anything like that, but it is about a black life, which would be mine. Um, so it's my personal story. Uh, it's a mixture of stories. It's about, uh, it's about a girl that's in lockdown in isolation and it's about coronavirus and how it's affected her family, um, dynamics. And so I think it's, I think it's a really special piece and I really think that it will serve, um, the community in some way um, and also the reason one of the main reasons why I wrote this piece which will be on Carlo Arts Festival 6 
on 8 p.m. on the 6th of June. Um, one of the reasons why I wrote this piece is as a Black Irish person, having that relationship of being Black and culturally Nigerian, but also being really Irish and having that weird um, mixture of like not understanding what your parents want you to be like, um, specifically in relations to them. And then having a, all this kind of like Irish behavior um, in response to really African demands, you know? Uh, and so this piece is kind of like consequences of that um so yeah i hope you guys really like this piece if you do check it out um but in general my life is just going to be learning how to adapt to the online version of being a, a spoken word artist of being a performance artist i'm just really really um taking my time to write some kick-ass uh blog post series that i'm trying to work on um so yeah you can follow me at Feli speaks on everything Excellent. We love a plug on the women's podcast. And finally, Amanda, what are you up to? Give your plugs. We want to get amplify your message. <laughs> so um, I've literally just come to the end of my undergrad. Um, and it literally just took me doing a whole degree in science to realize that I actually don't even want a career in science at all. So this next year, especially for me anyway, and over the last couple of months, it's just really been um, developing my other um interest my other areas of interest and where I actually feel like I'm supposed to be at and um just really just exploring that a bit more I feel and um it's really just it's taken a lot because like even going into science in the first place it's, it was a thing of like okay this is security and now it's like okay I'm gonna push that security kind of aside and kind of try to follow my passions and follow what I actually feel like I need to be doing right now. So um, just kind of delving into that a bit deeper, writing more, doing the podcast more. Please check out my podcast, guys. Boxed out, the Boxed Out podcast, available on Spotify. Um, so yeah, just doing a lot more of that. Um, I'm working at the moment on a few like short films, doing a short film series. So um, yeah, just... And delving a bit more into my creative side and just exploring that and seeing where that takes me. Excellent. And finally, um, we didn't ask Toby about her stellar legal career that's about to blossom. So a quick word about that, Toby, before we say goodbye. <laughs> I was just going to say two girls are like tapping into their creative side and they're doing all these things. And I'm just like, academia. Woo! <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I'm finishing up my master's in September. It was tough year, but I'm doing the dissertation. I'll be done in September. And then I have a year to kind of do my FE1s. If you don't know what the FE1s are, they're the entrance exams to become a solicitor in Ireland. So doing them and then on a three-year traineeship and hopefully 2025, I will be a qualified solicitor. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Listen, I just want to say thank you to all of you. It's been a brilliant conversation. It's one of several conversations we're going to keep having. And um, thank you for sort of bearing with us uh, our lack of understanding and lack of education on these issues. Um, but ultimately, I think what we said earlier, it just comes down to what we know is right and wrong. And we all have a very innate sense of that. And we don't need to know. We don't need to have read every single book on racism or black culture to understand right and wrong and the difference between those two things. And I think if we just keep that um, in our hearts all the time, then we'll we'll end up doing the right thing but also appreciate your forbearance and just coming in and, and explaining things a little bit to people who might not understand as well as they should. Uh, and it's a, it's definitely a, a journey we're all on. I think Amanda, you, you spoke very hopefully 
And I'd like to share that hope. I think something's happening now that perhaps hasn't happened and and that can only be good. And we just can't let it stop. That's the thing. Thanks so much to my guests, Amanda Adewale, Toba Lawal and Felicia Aulasania. We will be coming back to this topic again. And if there's anything you'd like to contribute, please get in touch with us on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter at IT Women's Podcast or email us on the Women's Podcast at irishtimes.com. The podcast is produced by me, Roisin Ingle, and by Suzanne Brennan with JJ Vernon on sound. That's all we have time for. Stay safe and thanks very much for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.